Namaste. Satnam. Howdy, y'all. Welcome back to A Thousand Serious Moves. I'm Amanda Holstein, your beloved host and amateur guru. Um, <laughs> this podcast is, I talk about spiritual things, okay? Um, like kale and cocaine and brushing your teeth and calling God um, energy and calling, uh, saying things like the universe, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so much more. <laughs> so on today's episode, I have a conversation with, he's a Houston comic. His name is Doug Sanders. I'm going to go ahead and plug real quick right now. He has a show at the Houston Improv. Um, July 18th at 8 p.m. Um, it's with Ku Agenti, who was also on this podcast. And if you haven't listened to that episode, do that because it's a really good one also. So anyway, so Doug and I, we have a conversation about, um, it's actually really good, um, probably because we don't really talk about comedy. So <laughs> now we talked about it a little at the beginning, but the rest of the podcast is, uh, we talk a lot about therapy and relationships and trying to sort of live a healthy lifestyle both physically and mentally slash psychologically what's the difference I don't know um and we also sort of I start to pick his brain on like his idea of God or coincidence um he's sort of a self-proclaimed agnostic but um seemed like he was sort of He's sort of interested in things like coincidence and so on. So um, it's actually a really good conversation. Um, I think I've said that like five times. So you probably think that it's not. Um. <laughs> but give it a give it a listen anyway. Um, it'll be an extra $5 into your karma bank. And um, which I've discussed on a previous episode. Um, the karma bank, the way it works is every time you listen to this podcast or review it um not just like oh give five stars but actually write a review on itunes uh it puts more money into your karma bank um and then you can cash it in so the way it works is you say a lot of prayers you do a lot of good things and then whenever you actually really need god or help from the universe then you can um cash it in so so listen all the way through um and uh, you'll get some extra money into your karma bank and i'm going to tell you a secret so, um, it's a really big deal. Um, the secret is, um, well, you'll find out if you listen. Okay. <laughs> so before I get to the conversation that I have with Doug, um, as many of you know, I have been not drinking or mostly not drinking <laughs> and, um, it's going it's going pretty well in general. It's getting a little easier, though not always. Um, and I wanted to share with y'all um, this piece of writing that I have read in the midst of my journey through sobriety um, that I found really helpful. And um, especially whenever the days get sort of dark and I start to feel really down. And it's not even just in relation to drinking. I think this passage is just helpful, even if I'm just having a rough day in general, or I'm feeling really disconnected and I feel really small and, um, not thinking about the big picture and I get, 
you know, we can get really stuck in our heads and our small problems and start to see ourselves in a very confined way rather than this sort of pure open awareness. Um, so I, I, um, wanted to share this piece of writing with y'all. Um, it's called, uh, the, it's called the open secret. This is not the same secret that I'm going to share with y'all later. Um, this is an open secret, so, um, anybody can know it. Um, it's by, um, the author's name. <laughs> it's a Hindu mist. I'm reading this book on Hindu mystics. So, um, the author's name is Vivekananda. V-I-V-E-K-A-N-A-N-D-A. Vivekananda. It's fun to say. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's fun. So anyway, here's a little meditation for y'all. The open secret. None can die. None can be degraded forever. Life is but a playground, however gross the play may be. However we may receive blows and however knocked about we may be, the soul is there and is never injured. We are that infinite. Thus saying of Adontist, I never had fear or doubt. Death never came to me. I never had a father or mother, for I was never born. Where are my foes? For I am all. I am existence, knowledge, bliss absolute. I am it. I am it. However much the body rebels, however much the mind rebels, in the midst of uttermost darkness, in the midst of agonizing tortures, in uttermost despair, repeat this once, twice, thrice, evermore. Light comes gently, slowly, but surely it comes. Many times I have been in the jaws of death, starving, footsore, and weary. <clears throat> For days and days I had no food and often could walk no further. I would sink down under a tree and life would seem to be ebbing away. I could not speak. I could scarcely think. But at last the mind reverted to the idea, I have no fear of death. I never hunger or thirst. I am it. I am it. The whole of nature cannot crush me. It is my servant. Assert thy strength, thou Lord of lords and God of gods. Regain thy lost empire. Arise and walk and stop not. And I would rise up reinvigorated. And here am I living today. Thus, whenever darkness comes, assert the reality and everything adverse must vanish. For after all, it is but a dream. Mountain high though the difficulties appear, terrible and gloomy though all things seem, they are but Maya. Fear not, it is banished. Crush it and it vanishes. Stamp upon it and it dies. Be not afraid. Think not how many times you fail. Never mind, time is infinite. Go forward, assert yourself again and again, and light must come. So there's something for you to reflect on. <laughs> Remember that 
I have been trying to remember every day again and again and again, assert yourself and light must come gently, slowly, but surely it comes. Anytime you feel small, remember that you are infinite and the whole universe is infinite and all your small problems, however real they may be, are not the truth about reality. Reality holds so much more than our petty concerns and valid emotions. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be frustrated. But remember, don't give up. Seek the light. Assert yourself again and again. And surely light will come. And with that, enjoy this conversation, this really good conversation <laughs> that I have with Doug Sanders. Okay, welcome, uh, Doug Thank Sanders. You. Hey, how are you Say doing? Hello, good. I'm good. Um, Doug, okay, you're... Houston comic, but so much more, right? So much more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long have you been in Houston? You're fairly new to Houston, you said? Yeah, fairly new. Uh, I think I just got to about two years, like okay. a couple days ago. Uh-huh. So, yeah, two have years. You, and comedy-wise, how long have you been doing that? A uh, little under two years, so probably like a year and a half. So, you over started here? Yeah, started here. What made you want to start? So, it, it was kind of cool. Um I was always into stand-up comedy for a long time, like even when I was younger. And then uh, I was in Ohio for a while, and I was obsessed with Dave Chappelle, like when I was in high school. Oh, yeah, that's where he's from. Yeah. He stays there, right? Yeah, he stays there. And he came in uh, to the coffee shop that I was working in in college, and I got to meet him. And it was like way before I ever thought I would do anything. I was like real young. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're amazing. I've seen uh, at that point killing him softly and like maybe one other special was out. Uh So I was like, I've seen this a thousand times. Uh, Realistically, probably about a hundred. And he was like super nice. And it was just like one of those moments that stuck out. But I always, uh, anytime I was in a city, I would like spend money on comedy. I would always be strict about money elsewhere. But like if I, if maybe uh louis ck was coming to down or mm-hmm. whoever it was and i was just like i would always drop money on so you just loved it just passionate about it yeah. yeah yeah how's your comedy journey going so far do you feel good about your progress or yeah it's it's fits and starts i feel like every time there's an accomplishment i'm a, i'm pretty good at being like oh that's great and that's not what i that's way past what i expected to get to and then like the next day i'm like i'm not doing enough and then like, you bomb immediately like, yeah. After. <laughs> yeah yeah either like a bad set or just like eh, i'm not booking enough shows or whatever it is yeah. it's shitty it's a shitty mindset yeah there's uh, yeah i guess whenever that's probably a bad question on my part but like yeah because whenever you're looking at like your comedy journey it's like there's all these other factors that can make you feel like shit or can like make you feel good about like where you are, but in general make you feel like shit because it's always like in relation to other people. Right. It's always like, okay, but so-and-so is getting more shows, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's also like, I mean, you're still so early in and I mean, I still am too. Like I'm not four years years about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it still is like, okay so these people are getting on shows but like they're not getting paid for those shows like you know so it's like as far as your level of success like really all you can control is like 
how can I get on stage as much as possible? Yeah, and you have know? like good sets. I, I, are you happiest? I, I keep having this like fight with myself. Is like, I know some. You get to the point where you have like material that works. Mm-hmm. Are you happiest when you're having a good set with material you already know works, or when you're just trying out brand new stuff and something works, or do you mix it up? I think the latter actually, because yeah. once I know that material works, I get bored with it really quickly. Sure. Yeah. Like, and so it's like. Like the other day, back of the bus, like I just, I had this stupid joke about like how it was lightning. It was like lightning outside. And I was like, is it lightninging or is it light? It was just so stupid. But like Jerome was like, he was like, you should do it on stage. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I did it and it fucking crushed. And I was like, this (laughs) stupid joke. Like, and I had more. And then I had like a couple other just like, uh, random jokes that I had like not even written down, like about tutoring and stuff like that just came out. And it was like, that was some of the most fun that I've had in a long time. Yeah. Like just it's, it's probably kind of maybe actually a little bit of both. Like, but when I start to feel like my material is, I'm, I have it down. Then, like I said, I get bored. So it's like, I constantly have to kind of keep it fresh, sure. like yeah. have some level of like improvisation just to keep me having fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think, and I do think that's a lot of it. Like really good material is one thing. And then you can tell when somebody's on stage and they're having fun. That's just a good feeling. Whether totally. they're like, whether the material is real strong or not, but like you, <laughs> I can get down with somebody who's having a great time on stage. Yeah. And like somebody who, you know, doesn't give a fuck to a certain extent. Like, not that, you know, not like, oh, don't give a fuck and then... Start cursing out the crowd. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, like, up there to have a good time and is enjoying what they're doing, you know? Sure. And, like, is recognizing the process. Like, you know, I mean, even my new stuff... Like, now I'm getting actually sort of better where, like, I know how to kind of write a joke enough to where I know if it's going to go fairly well. Like, mm. I don't really bomb in that way the only time i really bomb like i don't really bomb with new material i I really end up bombing when i do uh when i get bored with my material and then i just kind of phone it in yeah and then the audience like picks up on it and i'm just like (laughs) oh fuck yeah yeah i got really pissy about like two months ago and i was like i'm just gonna do all new material for the next whatever three Uh weeks and just bomb and it hell yeah i don't know if it helped or not but it it definitely strengthen my chops about just being like fuck it just exactly gonna push through the shit. yeah that's what's so important like just like doing it anyway like you know sometimes we or at least for me like i can be like oh who's watching like i want to make sure i do well so that so and so sees that i do well but it's like who cares like it doesn't really matter like it's about me growing as a comic it's not about yeah. like Okay. I mean, obviously you want to do well enough to where, you know, people see that you're doing well and like they want to book you on their shows. But at the same time, there's a lot of politics and shit behind it too. And like egos behind it that you can't really control, you know? Yeah. I think for me, I, I don't know if you feel this way, but if you're in competition with yourself, I think that's the healthiest form. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's been a pretty new way for me to be looking at it is like, I, can't compete with anybody else. I forget who was, I was listening to something the other day where somebody was talking about that, how like the only level, Oh, maybe it's like, I think it was Jordan Peterson. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. I think he, cause he just had a new one on Joe Rogan's podcast and, uh, which, you know, is 
it's a contentious <laughs> subject, <laughs> him apparently, but um, he talks about like the only level playing field that you have is with yourself. Like oh, yeah. if you're comparing yourself to other people, like it's not a level playing field. So it's like literally like, yeah, he's like uh, every day is like, you're competing with how you were yesterday. Like, how can you be better today? And mm. like, I really like that analogy. Like I, that's very helpful for me. If it's just like, okay, even if it's something like I'm trying to stop smoking, it's like, okay. if I can like smoke one or two less cigarettes today than I did yesterday, like that's progress. Like yeah. I'm not going to compare myself to like other people who are in different places in their lives. Basically. Yeah. Is this uh have you recently quit smoking or I'm, or like I'm so close. I'm like in the process of quitting okay. and, um, like today I've had like one and a half cigarettes, which nice. is really good. That's yeah. Really good, yeah. So I'm just really trying to kind of let it go. And I, uh, I never really considered myself much of a smoker, but then it was like my ex smoked and okay. then it got me in the habit. And then it was like, it just, it just all of a sudden just became a habit where it was like, then I was just smoking every day. It's yeah. like, how the fuck did that happen? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so now I'm just kind of trying to backtrack. It, it doesn't help that Jerome also smokes. Okay. Um, but he doesn't really smoke a lot anyway. Um, but yeah, I was thinking today actually about like, I was like breaking down like why smoking is bad. Right. And okay. it's not just because it's like, Oh, you get cancer. But it's like smoking is like it's self harm, right? Like Yeah, in one form, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's you're self harming you're trying to soothe, but you're actually harming yourself. You're being uh -huh. disconnected from reality to some extent. And then I I mean, this is how I see things is like that bleeds into like the way that you are in the world. Like if you're harming yourself, mm. like you're putting harm out into like the universe or whatever okay. yeah so it's like you're perpetuating a broken society by harming yourself okay. like it's like the micro level like the tiniest start to the crack in the yeah. iceberg or whatever okay. yeah exactly okay I mean, this is just an idea I've been pl kind of playing with. Yeah, I think like, you're being super hard on yourself, but yeah, yeah I, I no, get where you're yeah. coming from. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean it in a way that's like I'm hurting myself so that I'm like hurting the whole world, but yeah. I'm looking at like the connection between those. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I also try to not be hard on myself too. Yeah. Like, um, How are you at relating to like, I'm trying to get better at this, but I'm really not good at it is uh, recognizing like if there's a romantic partner or like somebody who's a potential friend, somebody who's like intriguing to you on a level, mm -hmm. but you can tell they're harming themselves. Like either they drink too much or they're a little like self-deprecating. Mm -hmm. Like, do you still allow yourself to be attracted to that person or do you kind of see it as like they're not treating themselves well? So they're like probably a danger. Like I'm That's so bad about really that. That's a really good question. I fucking put the blinders on. I'm like, they're just, everybody has their shit and I got to get better about that. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think if it's somebody that I'm not dating, I'll probably say something to them. Okay. Like I, cause I tutor. And so like there's this one student I had who, um, she kept being hard on herself. Like if she was missing a couple questions, she'd be like, I'm so, I'm so dumb. And I was yeah. like, you're not dumb. Yeah, I was like, not, it's yeah. part of the process. I was like, you have to be kind to yourself. Like yeah. it's so important. Um, so it's like, if I'm not dating that person, yeah. Um, 
in terms of like with Jerome, like I mean, yes, we all have our own shit. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get like. No, no, it's it, fine. But, yeah. um, I I always try to I try to better myself, and I try to encourage him in anything that he's working on as well. Like, yeah, okay. if he's trying to like not drink, like smoking isn't really an issue for him. He might he could probably take it or leave it. Really, like, okay. um, but you know, I try to. There's sort of like a partnership. It's not necessarily like turning a blind eye, but it's like let's talk about the things that we're struggling with and, like and support each other. Let's it. support each other. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, as far as like when I was single, I don't even think I really thought too much about that. Like, yeah. if somebody's like has self-destructive behavior, because I also knew people who were totally sober and were toxic yeah toxic just you know so it's like they weren't really doing any self-destructive behaviors but like they had a lot of like emotional and psychological baggage that they were carrying around that also made them an unfit partner yeah 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 sure sure. what about you when you're dating what do you think like or in friendship or whatever uh dating wise i'm getting better about it but i'm still not good to like uh if i'm going through like a lonely period and there's somebody who's attractive to me i can see somebody who's being negative and be like ah i kind of overlook it uh, more than i should yeah. or whatever and then i'll realize either probably either after they start kind of like damage like shooting that damage outward or mm. whatever and i'll be like all right i should stick this out because i'm, I'm into this person or like i i have some kind of level of loyalty already mm-hmm. but i'll like preemptively do that like too early on mm-hmm. um so i'm trying to get better at noticing it but i'm still i'm still not good at just being like just being okay with it and kind of like letting people deal with their own stuff i i always mm-hmm. juggle with like the individual responsibility versus whoever you're dating mm-hmm. and like the couple responsibility i don't know i always struggle with that yeah i mean that's a skill that i think just takes time to develop to you know especially when you're like you're feeling lonely and you want a partner and then yeah. you come across someone who is you know maybe 80 percent good mm-hmm. you know and yeah. then they have like this other shit <laughs> that you kind of overlook Um, but you probably already know this, that that shit ends up coming out when you're in the relationship, like really in it, you know, it's like all of a sudden she's angry or whatever. Yeah. And I'm definitely not blameless because like my own shit comes out or whatever. It just kind of, I feel like I've, I'm kind of more aware of my shit. I I don't have it on lockdown, but I kind of know like I'm an anxious person. I I do X, Y, and Z things and I can kind of pre-warn the person Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I don't know. It's still not great. Yeah. yeah but at least you're le- like, you're working on it. There's some level of awareness versus like somebody who's just sort of oblivious and thinks like that they're fine. And it's it's hard to it. deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right, I see you're driving the truck and we're, we're going over the bridge right now and I need to say something. Yeah, some absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's your, I think it's your duty and responsibility to say something. I mean, what are you going to just, cause if you hold it in, then you're just holding in resentment and you're not speaking the truth and yeah. you're like it's gonna end up affecting you and the relationship's gonna crumble or whatever yeah. um do you ever have an after a breakup where other people come out of the woodworks and tell you like i just didn't think she treated you right or i didn't think he treated you right and um, you're like where the fuck were you for the last <laughs> two years <laughs> i probably not for me but probably the guys that i was with like their friends probably said that about me like <laughs> Or at least with my ex-husband. Uh, but I was young and I didn't know anything. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, all my friends are pretty oblivious too. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, have you you've had that experience though? Where, yeah, like, then I've they had, come out and they're like, yeah, I've had a couple, and I'm I'm I like kind of brutal honesty in a lot of ways. So I'd rather people tell me like in the moment or me whatever. Me too. And I have like overly polite uh, friends and family sometimes mm-hmm. where they do it to like the point where they just won't tell you you need to get your shit together or whatever. Totally. So like I've had a couple breakups where afterwards they're like, ah, oh, we didn't like the way X, Y, and Z, and you're like. You had so much opportunity. This is not helping me now after I've gone through the pain of the breakup. This yeah. is just Monday morning quarterbacking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, and to me, I don't want to look like a fucking asshole, like where it's like, am I oblivious here? Like, yeah. it, what is, I have a couple of times I've asked like a really, I have a really good friend that I will go to for these type of questions where I'll be like, yeah, w- like I was seeing this guy who was like, he would drink a lot and oh, yeah. Or he was like sober, but then all of a sudden he like started to drink a lot or whatever. So I like okay. went to the friend. I'm like, tell me the truth. Like, is this a problem? I'm too close to the situation to be able to see it myself. Sure. Like, give me some insight. Like, I want that because I don't want to look like a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah. who's like walking around in denial, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think I uh, if you have to... If you well, what did your friend up, end up saying then? Like, yeah, he agreed. Basically, he's like, "No, this guy's no good for you." Okay, like, yeah. yeah. Did it still take you a while to be like, "Okay, like this is bad"? It or took me a minute. Like yeah, out? and I okay. was and I was in therapy, and so my therapist immediately was like, "No, don't even mess with him, whatever." Yeah. Um, but it didn't take. It took really from the first time we hooked up to the end of it. It was probably about a month so okay, really okay. so not like a long standing yeah thing. thank okay. god yeah because yeah. it he just ended up spiraling so quickly so it actually sure. made it really easy to just cut it off that's like, awesome that you got that healthiness to yeah like that away. therapy yeah. really made a big difference because that's great. especially in the past like my dad was an alcoholic so like okay. to a certain extent like i always felt like i needed to sort of like save him you okay. know yeah. so like i easily could have ended up in that pattern of behavior again where yeah. it's like oh, let me fix this person who I don't even fucking know. It's not my duty to fix this random guy that I just met like a month ago. You know, it's like, you try to, I was, I like to watch clips of Dr. Phil on YouTube. (laughs) Do you ever watch Dr. Phil? Uh, It's been a while. It's actually like, there's some really good ones and he fucking roasts people all the time. It's like, get your shit together. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, what was the one he, fuck. Okay, I was just talking about, okay, I was going to, okay. I was just talking about what? What was I talking about? Before? Talking about some clips and then saving, like kind of save, trying to save your partner. Like you had the the model, the alcoholic dad, and so you like trying just trying to walk away from, walk yes. away from saving people all the time. Yes. Okay. There was a certain clip I was gonna reference. Fuck. It was a good one. Well, whatever. Can we come back to it. Yeah, this it? is just a plug for Dr. Phil. <laughs> actually. <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Phil. Yeah. No, I I, I used to shit on him like for a while but then i like recently have come back to it and i'm like he's actually really good like is he he, i feel like he's like so biased i i think it's too entertainment based to a certain extent yes like there's no way that's healthy for the person that's on stage with like whatever whatever i don't the think is. it's really about that person yeah <laughs> it's not at all it's about our entertainment and like being able to judge them like yeah. that's <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's why it's so good. Like, it's good. I like playing armchair uh, psychologist. Like, that's my favorite. It's like analyzing people. Like, yeah, she's like the maternal force in this thing. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever been in therapy before? Yeah, I'm, I go weekly. Oh, you Uh, do? I don't. So I met the person, the, uh, 
the therapist in when I lived in Chicago like three or four years ago, and then uh-huh. now I just do it on the phone. Now that I oh, live in that's what's up. Yeah. So you've been in therapy for like four years. Yeah, uh, maybe like three, three or four. That's awesome. That's yeah. so good. Sometimes it's sometimes really healthy. It helped me kind of see a lot of shit that I was mm-hmm. not dealing with beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about how long have you been in? I was in it for about three years. My therapist yeah. is still in New York. I could call her anytime I need. That's um, dope. Yeah. yeah. And I was in it for, I was twice a week for two years. And then I was like, okay, I think I might only need once a week. Yeah. And then I moved and then I moved back and I would go see her maybe once every couple of weeks or whatever, just to check in. Yeah. Um, yeah. That shit changed my life. Like, I can't say enough about like, and people always think like, Oh, I don't have a big issue. So like, I don't need to go to therapy. It's like, you don't yeah. need a big issue. Like is therapy is about learning to understand yourself. Yeah. And like be able to freely make choices after understanding like, this is the shit that I'm dealing with. This is why I'm processing it that mm-hmm. way. This yeah. is why I am this way or yeah. and how I can change it, how I don't have to be that way anymore. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, I highly encourage any friends or just random people who are even moderately thinking about it. I think it helps out so much. Totally. So many people are resistant to it because... It's so... uh, Everybody just so, like, scared of it or, like, Mm -hmm. it's uh, stigmatized. Is that the right word? Yeah. Like, it's so Uh stigmatized. Yeah, and I think people are also, like... There's probably a fucking million reasons. People are scared. They're afraid to go to therapy. Like they're scared of what they might find on some level. I think they also maybe don't have enough like confidence in themselves where they're just like, I don't have anything to say. I'm not that important. You know, like I think I kind of thought that to some extent for a while. Like when I was in therapy, it was like, I like didn't really know what to talk about. Cause like, Oh really? I didn't really like, it's like, I also had a lot of trauma. So okay. like, I thought I was fine, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was like, I would go there and I'd just kind of be like, I don't know. I had like a good week or whatever, but it was like, I actually had a lot of pain that was underlying that. Okay. That took fucking twice a week for two years to start to unfold. I didn't okay. have my first breakthrough until I'd been in there for two years. Oh like, really? Shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you had any big breakthroughs? Yeah, mine were like I went in the middle of a crisis or whatever, like uh-huh. a crisis that was going on in my head. So like I had immediate, like really nice immediate results. Oh, good. So that was good. But like, um, yeah, there's a few breakthroughs. Most of it is like, uh, I- I'm always in an anxious state because I grew up around like uh, depressive. My mom has like depression periods mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so she did, she was a single mom. She did a lot of hard shit to get through that stuff. But there was like a lot of like just emotional, just kind of like being by myself a lot of moments. So the breakthroughs that have come have been like, oh, you're kind of repeating that. Or you're like, you're, Mm -hmm. you're finding emotionally absent people that are like, they're Mm -hmm. in the same room with you, but they're on their phone. They're in a relationship with you, but they're very flirty with other people, X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. whatever. But it's, it's so weird. Like it's, but it's scary, but it also is empowering depending on how, how it goes down. Yeah. It's, it's scary to think that without becoming aware of that, that that's how you're like dictated by these things. And like, people don't realize that, that like therapy is not about like, you don't have to have some big issue. It's that 
everybody is influenced by their past and by their childhood mm. and you can't help it because that's all you knew for mm -hmm. 18 years was that was how reality was. Yeah. So the rest of your adult life, the rest of your life is just living out those patterns and then until you can learn to become aware of them and then you can break them. Like, yeah. you know, whether it's someone's emotionally abusive or, you know, you come from an alcoholic family or whatever sort yeah. of inconsistency, like those things affect your mental health and it affects who you are with. And then it perpetuates those things throughout society. If you don't become aware of them, like, yeah, sure. you know, cause then you just get back into that pattern of like being with someone like your mom sure, and then you have a kid and then the kid has a mom like your mom, you sure. know, it's yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, I don't want to do this for another like four or five generations. Yeah. Have you had, have you had any, I, I had one pattern in my family that was going on for like two or three generations uh -huh. and it almost got repeated in my generation. What like, was it? Can you say? Almost, uh, so it's, it's basically like having a single kid in a situation like where just like the the two partners aren't together or whatever. It didn't happen uh -huh. with me necessarily, uh -huh. but it happened like in the past two generations where there was like uh, a woman involved with like somebody who was a married guy oh, shit. having a kid out of wedlock uh -huh. and having all the social stigma of that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I I'm going to take that back. It didn't really almost repeat with my generation, but like my own version of it kind of almost did. And it was just like, like I can't fucking do that again. You almost got someone pregnant or you almost had a kid with someone or whatever. Is it was kind of, yeah. Like getting in a situation where it was like the relationship wasn't working out and then almost bringing a person into the world still in that <laughs> type of situation and just being like, what the fuck? Like, I, it's too it's too weird that it, that can happen like uh -huh. that cycle it's a, such a subconscious unconscious thing it's like, crazy it's yeah. that's insane it's like nuts, yeah. yeah well congratulations on getting <laughs> out of that that's so scary i Thank mean you. so many people do that too of like oh it's not working let's have a baby like let's try to force this thing to work like yeah. let's try to fix it or like compensate for something like that's lacking basically um, yeah, I got lucky. I haven't had any kids, so yeah, me either. <laughs> I haven't had any kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So what are some of the, like, so you struggle with like anxiety and stuff. Like how yeah. do you deal with that? Like you go to therapy. Yeah. Therapy helps. Um, honestly being on stage helps a lot for uh -huh. me. Like any creative expression where I'm enjoying myself. That's really good. Uh, if I, the thing I'm the, worst at that probably would help the most is getting better about uh food and nutrition i'm like ter i'll eat a you ton look of healthy fast food. though outwardly look healthy i've had fast food probably every day this week <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point uh so i like binge eat a lot of like just uh -huh. eat really heavily i have a strong metabolism but it's just like it's not i don't know it's it's definitely based on like anxiety and trying uh -huh. to relieve the anxiety yeah uh and working out regularly helps out mm -hmm. i'm very bad at doing it regularly like i'll go in spurts um yeah. but if i can get that in and also like just fostering healthy relationships i i kind of like tend to hit the gas a little bit too much on being productive and always trying to like produce something mm -hmm. uh whether that's like creatively or what else um but if i take like the gas off in the right situations and enjoy myself it kind of helps me get back into less of a fight or flight mode yeah if that makes sense have you done any psychedelics 
No, I haven't. Oh my God, you have to. I have to. Now that you're in therapy, <laughs> especially, this I would the say time. the biggest thing with psychedelics um, is I think you have to be like in therapy to really get the good use out of them <laughs> because then your mind is in the place of self-improvement. What are these things that I want to learn about myself? Okay. So I would highly recommend it for you okay. um, because you're not, okay, you're not going to have a bad trip. And I guarantee that because your art, your mind is already in like, it's already healthy. Like you're already in the right place by being in therapy. Okay. And if during the trip things start to get a little hairy and you start to get really emotional about some shit about your childhood or whatever, mm. stick with it because you have to feel those feelings in order to move past them. So like you have to get to the root of your anxiety okay. and then you can get past them. I guarantee you if you do psychedelics at least once or at least a couple of times and you use it in a therapeutic way, your anxiety will go away. I you think so? guarantee you. Cause I used to have anxiety. Huh. I'm totally serious. Like, and I was in therapy for a long time. I was on Xanax and Zoloft and all this shit. And like, I had been in therapy for like three years and I was like, I kept things kept crossing my path where it's like you could use psychedelics in a therapeutic purpose. And what it does is it helps you to face a lot of the like real trauma and real pain that is underlying your anxieties or your fears or whatever. And once you face them, like I said, then they go away. Like, and it might well, not happen overnight, but it will, it will change your life. I promise. Do you do it? Uh, all right, so is there a way to do it without the psychedelics? Because I'm like, I'm just anti. You're anti that? Yeah, I'm just anti it. Why? Because I, I feel, all right, so I think like a lot of people come to psychedelics because of, you know, like li life has all its pains, all that sort of stuff. So then you do the psychedelics and then it, it kind of disrupts like the chemical balance or whatever. So does I think it? it's like, I feel like it's like jostling whatever is going on internally. It doesn't really work like that. It's no. like it's more it's taps into your pineal gland which is like your third eye or whatever it's like right in the middle of your brain okay. um it's uh the thing that produces dmt okay. um it's your connection to god it's your connection to like the higher power and like connection with the universe and okay. you could do it you could do it through meditation do you meditation? meditate yeah um that's another thing where if i do it regularly that's a really good one but i just fall off so yeah I think a lot of these i gotta just stick with yeah so if you're if you're against doing psychedelics i mean that's fine but uh i would say you could also do meditation psychedelics are just sort of a, it leads you to that place of meditation okay. it does what like really like 10 years of meditation would do like okay. it gets you to that place right away okay. and it doesn't do any harm to you and it doesn't fuck up your chemical balance or especially if you do mushrooms like okay. you're it's natural like it's fine like it's better than you drink right like yeah drink, it's better yeah. for you than drinking like, oh drinking's not good for you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like exactly so it's like you know if you have an issue with the chemical imbalance like it's better for you than drinking but otherwise i would say like yeah just meditate like meditate, you have to yeah. but you have to really set aside that time and really like stick with it every day and yeah how often um, do you i do it i do yoga every day yoga every day okay. um and then i probably meditate about f like 
probably like four times a week. I try to do it every day, you know, kind of get comes and goes, but at least four times a week I meditate for about like 20 minutes. Okay. Um, the more I do it, the happier I am, obviously. That's Um, great. It's just really like setting aside the time and not making excuses. Yeah. 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 It's weird when you do the, that sort of thing too. I feel like it gives you more energy to do the other thing. So I I feel like it actually opens up time. It really does. But I'm so fucking counterintuitive. It's like the (laughs) idea of like, Oh, you're going to work out and you're going to feel tired from working out. Like I always feel more energy. Exactly. It's so weird. Yeah. It's like you want to go home instead of go to the gym because you're tired. But then you just end up laying around versus if you go to the gym, then you have the energy and then you end up actually doing more. Yeah, Yeah. totally. It's (laughs) like, there's so many things like that. It's like, just do the thing that's like good for you. I wish there was a user manual like that you got when you're like 16 or 17. That's like, this is how your body works. This is what you need to like be happy. Like make sure you get this regular maintenance Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm still like figuring it out. Like, Oh, I think we're all there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm like, the past couple of days I've felt like, okay, so I'm trying to stop smoking. I've been doing really well about not drinking. Like I've kind of, I've kind of basically stopped other than like, I've maybe drank, like I drink on Tuesday. Like, mm. um, I've drank maybe like three times in the past like month basically. And oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And like, so like a couple of days ago I was like, okay, I'm feeling kind of depressed. Like what's going on? I was like, Oh, I've been eating a lot of carbs lately. Like, oh, okay. you know, yeah. it's like, your body is like such this like really sensitive kind of machine and the more yeah and the more in tune you are with it the more you notice those like fluctuations like okay i'm depressed but everything in my life is the same as it was yesterday like yeah so what's different like some sort of chemical thing maybe it's something i ate basically yeah 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 or like a bad thing like in reality like kind of triggers you and it Mm -hmm. just starts sending you on this like bad mental mind frame after that yeah yeah sure yeah, I used to have a lot of mom issues. Um, okay. I mean, everybody does. But yeah, sure. <laughs> I didn't even know that I, like, hated women. Like, I, like, didn't like women. And, like... Were you, like, the girl that was always friends with all the guys? Always. You, ca- you kind of have that vibe, yeah. Always. I think we hit it off, like, right... I don't we know. did. You were just, like, very chill, like, the moment I met you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys are just a lot easier. I was a lot... I was definitely a daddy's girl. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... Now I try, now I like actively really try to make girlfriends, but girls are really hard to make friends with. Like sometimes it feels like there's like a barrier, like that they're like, it's like a level of competition or something. Oh, okay. You know, but it's like, I just want to be friends with you. Like, I'm not trying to like compete for like, who's going to impregnate me, you know, like it's like some sort of basic animal, like level of competition. Like that's a weird thing with friends. Like the idea that you're going to like compete with like other people or just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I think it's good to have a friend that you don't feel like you're in competition with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. my, the girlfriends that I do have, I don't feel like that, but I feel like when I'm trying to make girlfriends, Oh, like, a new person yeah like that's what it feels like it's like they're like sizing me up or something and it's like guys don't fucking do that it's not like i want to be friends with you like you're you're taller than me or whatever you know they're not like comparing themselves physically in order to be friends with someone like maybe yeah i mean maybe they are i don't know i don't feel that way i've heard blowback though like i was trying to make some friends like when i initially got down to houston Mm -hmm. and then the feedback that i got from a guy that's now my friend is like you're coming off as too like into your physical looks or something like that. What? And I was like, I don't 
I'm not trying to do that. How do you come off that way? Why? Because they're insecure and are intimidated? I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on. And I don't know if it's true. It was just like that was the feedback I got. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to try to not do that as much. But I think that's more just people in their own head. That's like their own insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's the biggest thing with like making friends for me, at least like girlfriends. Like they have their own issues. Most girls have issues with their moms. Okay. So like unless they work through that shit or they have a somewhat healthy relationship with their mom, then it's going to affect like the way they see themselves in relation to other women. Like, yeah, it's always yeah. like in competition or like, Dude, were you, so like I didn't grow up with a dad. So like I never mm-hmm. felt a male to male competition growing up. Did you feel like a female to female competition with your mom? Not like consciously, up? but oh, my yeah. therapist ended up sort of showing me a lot of ways in which I don't know. Say this, <laughs> say this on my podcast, but yeah, and I think it's I don't, very, I don't want to force you. Into no, and I think it's very natural where mothers subconsciously feel themselves in competition with their daughters. Okay, as their daughters are, as their moms, you know, as the mom sort of takes on the maternal role and then is sort of no longer in the like sexual market or whatever, okay. and then the daughter starts to grow up. Okay. there's a certain level of competition, and sometimes the mother can try to suppress the daughter's sexuality. Okay. Um, or self in whatever way, because she feels threatened by them. Sure. Um, whether it's, um, you know, from a Freudian perspective would be like, because she's wants to fuck my husband Mm. or it's, uh, she feels competition because she wants to be out there fucking other guys. And then, her yeah. daughter is, you know, there's the person getting to live their youth and like, yeah, exactly. Is like mortality is coming up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I think a lot of mothers experience that. Um, yeah. Um, and, not just mine and like i think a lot of and it's not conscious either like yeah a lot of this is just all subconscious exactly Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is like because of their own like insecurities and things that have to be worked out in order for that to be like a healthy relationship you know Yeah. yeah so um so yeah for a long time i definitely like um felt that competition i don't know what it's like for a guy um i i imagine to some degree there's a level of competition like from guy to guy yeah, from like father to son. Oh, I don't know. There, yeah, yeah, there might be. I just, I'm not, I'm not yeah. familiar with it at all. Yeah, um, I would think it would be like I've heard it's like for a long time the father is the one who's in charge because he's physically larger than the son, and then as soon as the son comes of age and become can become like physically like a threat or whatever then that's whenever like the it becomes like an issue or whatever yeah i don't know like i always kind of wonder about that because i get more so when i'm fearful about stuff it's rarely over something physical like Mm -hmm. uh like i've heard like a joe rogan or something like that talk about like there's a physical danger like guys sizing each other up and that sort Mm -hmm. of thing because he's in like a fighting atmosphere or whatever yeah i never got in a fight i've never been into like any physical things and I was raised by women, so I think more of my stuff is, like, more of that social fear or, like, the mm, attractiveness. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I fit more into your bucket of what you're saying uh-huh. about just being, like, more, I don't know, just, like, worrying about social constructs a little bit more and, like, That's how really acceptance and that sort of thing. That's more of my fear than any, like, physical danger. Yeah, coming from a very, like, matriarchal sort of institution, Yeah, it makes sense that those typical feminine sort of fears would bleed into (laughs) like here yeah Yeah, i'm like i i gotta start working out more i gotta (laughs) how am i being perceived by the people i'm dating all that stuff yeah yeah that's great yeah that's so true because that's typically not in a traditional way something that guys really give a shit about like you know 
yeah, how, how are crazy. they being perceived by other people? Like, yeah, I think ninety percent of the guys that I run into do, do not give a fuck. <laughs> but that could be like really to your advantage. Like, that's not a necessi- oh, it's helpful in some situations. Yeah, yeah like that's yeah. not necessarily like a weakness. Like, there's a strength within there. Like, yeah. Once you get through all the anxiety and bullshit, that also <laughs> comes along with that. Basically. Yeah. If you can learn which voices to listen to, yeah, damn <laughs> down a little bit. Yeah. Psychedelics. I'm telling Psychedelics. you, no, I won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um okay so have you ever been on any kind of medication like for anxiety or anything or like you've always just gone no always just gone i've been like i've had a lot of doctors like try to prescribe me Uh and i'll just be like no that's good yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, you don't really they can be helpful but they're really not necessary and i think it's better to really try to do it without i mean i'm not a doctor if you're listening whatever but if you if you have like a mild kind of form of like depression or anxiety that's not completely debilitating Mm. that you know i think it's good to try it without like because those medications can really numb you and enable you to just sort of remain complacent yeah i don't have any negative judgments of people who like yeah do it but i'm definitely like i'm in the that should be the last option like after you've already started a great workout routine and you're already like socially yeah reaching out to people and doing x y and z things like that should be the last thing if there's still problems yeah it's a system of like uh it's like a support system that there's many prongs to it where it's like yeah, sometimes they just think like, oh, just throw you on the pill hmm. and then like you don't have to like do any other work to like work on your depression, like change your diet or change your exercise. But it's yeah. like it's all of those things. I mean, I was on antidepressants for, you know, a good part of two or three years, like yeah. Xanax, Adderall, Zoloft, like all that shit. And Does it feel numbing or what's the feeling? Um, the um the antidepressants sort of give you like a baseline kind of which definitely bring you up from a depression for sure. Um, they give you like a baseline, but then I also had anxiety. So then I had the Xanax, which actually actually was very helpful because my anxiety was so bad that like I couldn't even, I was in my head all the time and Xanax calmed me down enough to actually help me to like be present and enjoy the fucking moment. Like, so, but obviously it can be abused or whatever, but I actually needed it. It was very helpful. And then Adderall was just to help me focus because I had so much of other, other anxiety and things like, again, I was just all in my head. I didn't even know how to like focus. Okay. Um, so, but it was like, so those were really good tools to help me. But then it was like also in conjunction to therapy in conjunction to, um, working out and all of these other, like learning to be social and all of these other things. Um, that then eventually I was able to like, I just kind of started smoking weed and I was like, what if I just smoke weed instead of being on all these pills? So that was kind of like helping me into transition out of the medication. And then, and then now I don't, I'll smoke weed maybe before I go to bed. Like I don't, it just sort of was like a a gradual process of like weaning off of it. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for going into that. I just, I, I've been around, I've had relationships with people uh, who have been on antidepressants and just like, not in romantic relationships with like friends or family or stuff like that. And just trying to find out 
I'm always interested, like what that actually feels like or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's, I don't know. It's a hard topic to ask about. Do you, do you think that you would need them at, uh, to some degree, or no? I just feel like it's something that like is so prevalent in our society, mm-hmm. and like it's hard to have like a just casual conversation with anybody about it mm-hmm. to like without feeling like you're giving them shame or mm-hmm. vice versa or judgment or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that there's everybody is different, um, and. I, I think that the medication can be really good tools to helping you. Uh, But I think that not everybody, I I would say most people don't really need to be on them forever. I would say that they can be a good tool to help get you back on track and then kind of, you know, it's like training wheels basically. And then you just start to start to ease off of them and then pick up other healthier habits and things like that. And then ideally you don't need them at all. Um, Yeah. So, um, so you're not, you mentioned you're not spiritual. Do you, were you raised religious or anything or? Uh, no, no, I was, so I was like, uh, in a family of people that were raised Catholic and still practice Catholic, but we're not trying to put it on the next generation afterwards. So it was very mm-hmm. like do whatever you want to do they just didn't care they're just like whatever yeah like my mom would take me to church if i wanted to go to church there was like a couple times where i wanted to like just see what it was all about uh-huh. and then she would be like yeah I'll, I'll take you to church but like she didn't want to regularly go or anything like what that. did you think when you did go to church i thought it was cool but it was uh i like the community aspect of it yeah i never bought into like the actual stories uh-huh. or anything like that um like you're like there's no way this guy had an arc like that flooded something like that. it's something yeah. that just always seemed like i'd always be like i'd have follow-up questions and everybody would be like all right let's go to the next thing and i'd be uh-huh. like something's there it felt very similar to santa claus to me in like yeah. some forms but uh i like the community aspect i get why people join religions for like the the whole community aspect mm-hmm. of it i think that's a very positive part of it yeah it's yeah. true you're mm-hmm. right there are like many different reasons why people go to church and i think the majority of people probably actually hang on i think i'm gonna sneeze it's <laughs> mm. oh, play by play no dang sneeze. it's the worst feeling when you're gonna <laughs> sneeze and you can't that about to <laughs> it's like um, the end of a movie that's ambiguous yeah exactly <laughs> um i i think probably most people go to church for the community some go for like kind of the vague hope of like heaven and afterlife i think very few people really give a shit about the theology and like theology of it, yeah. you know like, yeah i'm always that person that's like but the what are we what are we reading into and everybody's like no nah, don't even worry about that yeah like, they're like we're don't. just here for cake and cookies yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i was always really interested in the theology um when i because i was raised southern baptist and okay. like i think i just have all i'm i've always just been really interested in like truth and like the pursuit of like truth and so I was really interested in um, the theology and, like, would take, like, hmm. I would just actively, like, read books and shit on, like, theology of, yeah. like, Christianity and apologetics and stuff. And then over time, like, into my early adulthood, it all just started to, like, crumble and fall apart. Like, where yeah. it was, like, the, there's, like, a, it's almost, like, within logic for as like an academic standpoint when you're studying logic there reaches a certain point um where it's called fuzzy logic where the whole system just crumbles into itself and stops making sense oh yeah so it's like i experienced that with like 
Christianity as like, okay, so let's say Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? Like there's our conclusion. Yeah. So then what happens if somebody doesn't have a chance to get to know Jesus? Like yeah. what happened? How do what you happened exp- to the people before Jesus? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah. those questions. And like, I was never satisfied with the answers. Yeah. Like it was like, there's, there are flaws here. The system is crumbling basically. Yeah. Yeah. So then I kind of like stopped giving a shit about it. And then just recently over the past, really about the past year, have I started to have a new perception on God that is detached from, um, Christianity. And it's just like a personal interaction with like the universe. The universe. Yeah. yeah. There is like, I feel a spiritual thing, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's what's, I feel like spiritual is like such a widely used term for Mm -hmm. a lot of different things, but that idea of like, there's something that's like, there's an energy that's pulling you in certain directions Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There feels like there's that. that I firmly believe that. Yeah. I don't know if I would call that God or not. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I've been like, I think that that's what God would be. And then there's Mm -hmm. other times I'm like, that's just an energy. And I'm, it's not that one's more valued than the other, but I just, you can feel some, I don't know. It just feels more like a, a resonance with the universe. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just recently have started calling that God. Okay. Um, yeah. Because yeah, for a long time I, w- I would experience those same things. And I'd be like, it's the unit. And I still will say like the universe, like yeah. yeah. Energy, um, the connection of things, maybe a synchronicity, okay. um, a coincidence, you know, yeah. I think all of those things are connected. Um, so that has become my interaction with the divine or the sort of higher energy or something that's going on. Cause there's obviously yeah. something going on, right? Like whether you want to call it God or like a fifth dimension that we can't see, like, something, yeah. yeah, like even science will tell you that, like we only see a fraction of what is actually going on around us. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And there's like, uh, <sighs> there's just, if we were here, like, whatever, doing a podcast 2,000 years ago or whatever, like, <laughs> we just wouldn't have a concept of, like, there's another galaxy over there and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And there's all this stuff or, like, what's below the surface of the ocean. So t- for us to be, like, now, nah, like, no, nah, we we pretty much got it down or whatever. Yeah. That just seems arrogant to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like, 500 years from now, they're going to be like, all right, here's the fourth dimension. <laughs> like, we just have to put this filter on it and then you mm-hmm. can see it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I have my own, like, wacky kind of, like, theories and stuff about what's going on in the universe. That's just, like, one of my favorite things to do. Like I said, armchair psychologist, just, like, armchair philosopher, like, just come up with weird theories. But I do think that, and even if, even if it is just psychological, even if it is all in your head and you see, like, coincidences everywhere Uh. or something, that is, that's not less real, it's still real to you. Like it's, and I think that, I mean, this is really complicated, but I think that if it's all in your head, that doesn't make it less real because all that you know is what you perceive. How do you know that the way you see green is the same way I see green? Right. Yeah. Like I could try to explain it to you, but, and same thing. It's like, if it's real to you, if you see connection between things, then that mystery could be God to you. Like that's an idea I've been playing with. Like it doesn't that curious thing at the edge of whatever. Yeah. Perceiving. Okay. It's like whatever you see, like whatever. And the more that you seek it, the more you will find it. Like that's one thing I've been experiencing a lot is like when you're actually on the lookout for it, 
And there's scriptures in the Bible that talk about this. There's scriptures in um, some of like the Hindu mystic teachings about whatever you seek, you will find. Okay. It permeates through most religions. Okay. And I think it's some sort of force thing that's going on in the universe. So like whatever it is that you have a question about or if a synchronicity or like, you know, you randomly see someone that you were just thinking about, you yeah. know, to me, like that's confirmation that there's something else going on. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Like yeah. there's just, there's, I, I could point to a couple moments in my life where there's just like, like something. What? I want to know. Uh, what's a good one. Um, so the one that's coming up, I don't know if this is the best illustration, but the one that's coming up is, I was living in Chicago and I was sick of living there and I was just not happy with my job, X, Y, and Z. And then, uh, I got really, uh, really like bummed out. And then I went to, there was a 4th of July party, uh, and I got drunk and I broke my collarbone at this like picnic or whatever. So on the surface, like miserable, like I, I had, uh, I broke it in two spots. I had to get uh, surgery and had to get replaced all this shit like that. But while I was down for the next couple coming weeks it made me that time period made me reassess like why am i doing the things that i'm doing like why mm. am i in this mode mm-hmm. and then i started reaching out to other people i met uh one person that i eventually ended up moving to texas for and all that stuff and like those sort of things like not all those relationships worked out and things like that but that like down period of like having the broken collarbone and just kind of being like this is a stopping moment in life mm-hmm. like rethink about stuff totally uh, when I was in that down period, I was like, I need to start reaching out to people. I want friends. I want a romantic interest. I want X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And then it just made me kind of go out there and do it. And it started to click into place after that. Like it, none of that stuff worked out in the long term mm-hmm. uh, about, uh, like all my problems weren't solved right then. Yeah. But it got me to like the next chapter of life. That's and what's I, up. There feels like there's moments like that. Absolutely. I wouldn't voluntarily break my collarbone again, but like <laughs> it was a good experience for me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, God or the universe like uses so many of those types of opportunities where, I mean, even like throughout all these myths throughout like history is like, you know, you're faced with a big trial or a big sort of breaking point. Mm -hmm. And then that's what brings you to the next level in your life. Yeah. 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 And this is, this might be like a janky way of doing it, but like with Chappelle or whatever, like Chappelle's Mm -hmm. mythical, but it's partially because of all the adversity that he went through publicly with the Chappelle show. Like that's Uh sort of what leads to like different levels of it. So Mm -hmm. it's like what you're drawn. I don't know what I'm personally drawn to is the person that can make it through the adversity or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that a lot of people really resonate with is like, that's, I mean, that's the, you know, the hero's journey or whatever is like, somebody that goes down to the pits of hell and then is able to come out and end up stronger and end up even better. Mm. And, you know, I think that we all have our own paths that are not necessarily laid out for us by God. I don't think that it's necessarily like destined and that you don't have free will, but I do think that it's, it's a type of journey and like everyone's life can be sort of like a hero's journey where it's like, Anytime you're faced with adversity or something that like therein lies an opportunity to take it to the next level and like, or you could just give up and not give a shit, but what's the fun in that? Like then <laughs> yeah. you're just like barely getting by getting drunk every night, like or whatever, yeah. you know? 
it's hard to do it in the moment, but I do think that's the best way to live. <clears throat> yeah, it's, like, no, it's so fucking hard. Here's like. the challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you're going through like whatever the depression or whatever oh is God. happening, you're like, all right, I feel like shutting like shutting off from like a lot mm-hmm. of things, but like it is, it can be a good thing. Yeah. It's a process too. Yeah. Like it's not like it's it's not like you just wake up and you're like, oh, I'm fine now. It's like yeah, yeah the process of. I talked about this once. I thought this was a cool concept, but it's like the idea of uh, somebody else told me that as you're going, you're falling down, but it's not like a linear path of trying to get up the hill. It's like trying to go around a mountain, like in a circular motion. Mm, mm. And you're still going to find yourself on the same like side of the mountain, like where it's extra hot or extra cold or whatever. But there's going to be certain points where you're, you're getting overall higher up. Like it's not a linear path to the top and that sort of idea. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of like with the emotional stuff, like you get better at treating like, all right, I'm anxious right now. It's not that the anxiety feels any better, but like now I know how to handle a little bit better than 15 years ago. Exactly. Exactly. I always like to look back on where was I even a year ago? Where was I like five years ago? And I'm like, Oh good. I'm making progress. Like (laughs) it might not feel like it. I'm still, I still struggle with depression. Like, you know, but I, now I look at it as like, what did I eat that could be fucking up my chemical issues or whatever? Like now I'm like, I could meditate. I could do yoga. I have all these different tools and ways that I can tweak the system versus before like, and it's still not easy, but it's like, it's way better than it was you know five five years ago like yeah 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 that's cool yeah okay well oh perfect oh my god we've been chatting for like an hour um okay (laughs) let's plug your show sure okay it is july okay doug is a comic by the way we already said that so doug has a comedy show (laughs) (laughs) this is me this is me being professional and official um he has a professional yes he has a comment he's doing a comedy show with ku right yeah with yes who was on this podcast so um yeah he was back a few episodes ago so he's doing ku's doing a show at the improv and doug is on it and it's july 18th at 8 p.m yeah please come out houstonimprov.com uh, July 18th, yeah. Yes, is that where time. they get tickets? HoustonImprov.com? Yeah, that's the best way to do it. And then, uh, this is a weird thing, but like we're having trouble uh, finding out who's assigned to who, like ticket sales-wise. So uh-huh. anybody coming, I would appreciate it if you dropped my name so I could get the credit. Yes, so, Doug yeah. Sanders. Say Doug you're Sanders. there for him. He's very, very funny. And he's tall. So if any single ladies are out there, we have single a tall ladies. we have a tall guy who's in therapy. What more could you want? Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I semi-occasionally work out as well. Hey, there you yeah. go. Um, forget the part about the fast food. Uh, just disregard that. I one. will share my fast food with whoever <laughs> comes to the show. Okay, cool. Do you have any social media you want to share? Uh yeah, we can. Uh, I'm on Facebook, just Doug Sanders, Houston. You'll see me pop up. And then uh, on Instagram, Doug in Progress. Doug in Progress. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All Amanda. right, bye. Okay, congratulations. Okay. <laughs> My voice sounded weird. I probably didn't to you, but. Uh, <laughs> okay, good job. You made it to the end of the episode. So, um, here's your karma bank money. Um, here's your money. I'm giving it to you. You can't see me, but feel it. Feel my love. Do you feel my love for you? Do you feel loved? If you don't, you should. <laughs> okay. And then a secret. Okay. What's a secret? I actually already know what I'm going to tell you. Here's a secret. Here's a fun secret. I have had, um, 
I've participated in the life of being a sugar baby before. Um, I've had sugar daddies before. Um, a lot of people don't know that. I don't have one now, unless you count my boyfriend, but um, it's a lot more kosher <laughs> than having just a regular old sugar daddy. So there's a little secret for you. Hey, um, so if you listen, now you know that. Ask me about it. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, so it's sort of an open secret itself, just like uh, the passage that I read earlier. Anyway, check out Doug's show July 18th at the Houston Improv with Kua Genti. It's Kua's show. Doug is on it. Um, check out my website, therapistjokes.com. Email me, therapistjokes at gmail.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, The Rapist Jokes. Anyway, until uh, next time, I wish you all love, courage, pussy, money, weed, enlightenment. Namaste. Namaste.